How many of y'all enjoy football? Yeah, a few of you. All right. <laughs> we all enjoy football, but I don't know how many of you have ever played football. Raise your hand. Looking for any girls? No girls. That's strange. Okay. Yeah, so football, I remember I had the opportunity. I was not very good, okay? But nonetheless, I had the opportunity to play football as a middle schooler, okay? As a middle schooler, I remember that we had this drill that we would do. <clears throat> we had all kinds of things. We had to, to, to run like crabs and stay low. We had to work out. We had to do all sort of kind of stuff to be strong and to be tough. But there was always those moments that, uh, that we'd have a one-on-one situation. Did you ever see this? Probably seen it on TV maybe. Where they've got one guy against the other guy, and who's going to take the other guy down, right? And you kind of picture these guys, and you see them, like, chopping, you know, and then, like, blow the whistle, and they, the coach, and they just, you know, just tear into each other. Who's the one that's going to stay standing? <laughs> Who's the one that's going to make it? And in order to do that, to really make it, you've got to be someone that has a pretty firm foundation, right? A low center of gravity, someone that can, can withstand the other person and take the other person down. It's not easy to do. Now, we've been talking about this whole series has been about for him. It's been about for the Lord. But one of the things that we're going to do today is we need to, to understand what it means to be firm and what it means to be faithful so that we can continue to live for him day in and day out. So we're going to talk about that solid foundation this morning. We're going to talk about what it means to have that foundation, what it means to be faithful. You know, just about three weeks ago, <clears throat> we brought in some Bibles, some, some New Testaments that gave her the opportunity to start small, if you will, and to read through the, the entire New Testament in a year. And, and I believe a lot of you have kind of taken that challenge. Some of you have stepped it up even more and are reading through the Bible in a year. But how is it that you're going to remain faithful? How is it that you can stand strong throughout the year? How's it going? Anybody want to share? How's it going? We're small enough we can do that, okay? We don't have crowds of 1,000 yet. So how's it going? Somebody? Sh- it's going good? Okay. There's one of you. It's my wife, and I knew what she would say. I hope it's going well with us. We're trying to be the examples there. Somebody else tell me, if it's going bad or it's a struggle, tell us that too. Don't just stare at me. It's going good for you, Edie. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's great. Well, it's, it's a huge challenge, but what's so important for us to be in the Word every day so that we can stay strong. I want us to look at a passage of Scripture this morning that will kind of illustrate that. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 1, or Psalm 1, rather. In Psalm 1, this is what it has to say. It says, <clears throat> it says Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We've, we've got someone who says, Blessed is the person that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, <clears throat> he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. 
and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. And the wicked are not so, they're like chaff that, that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you'd go back to the first part of that and just keep it up for me, David, I appreciate it. So we've got this illustration of a tree, a tree that's strong because it's, it's firmly planted by the water. Trees that are planted by water have this unending source of rich soil and water, right, that helps them to grow. It talks about a, a tree that, has, that produces its fruit or its leaves in season, and that's a strong, prosperous tree. And the person that's like that, it says, it breaks this down, is, is someone, first of all, that delights in God's Word. It delights in what he has to say. It's not a chore to pull out the Bible every day to go like, oh, it's this, this checkbox of things that I've got to do to be religious, I've got to do to be spiritual. It's this delight, it's this hunger, it's this desire to, to truly meet with the Lord and to hear what he has to say. You know, I remember growing up, my, I grew up with my dad and my grandparents, <clears throat> and my Aunt Kathy was far away. She was actually here in Columbia while we were in New York. And my grandmother never got to, to see her very much or to hear from her, but I always used to remember as a kid, you could always tell when Aunt Kathy had called, okay? This is back in the day with the, the rotary phones, you know, and, you know, my grandmother like, Kathy's on the line, and he was just kind of like the whole house would be stirred up to, to talk to Aunt Kathy, and, and she would have that phone, and she'd have the cord and be wrapped around walking only so far, of course, as you could within the house. For her, it was a delight to hear from her daughter. It was a delight to spend that time with her. And God says, if you're going to be firm, if you're going to be faithful, if you're going to be a strong tree, that this is something that has to be a delight within you, a delight for God's Word. It says also, someone who is meditating on His Word. So his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, when we think about meditation here, we're not talking about the cross legs um, kind of thing, right? We're talking about thinking about, tossing around the same thoughts, the th things that God is saying, thinking about it throughout the day. Anybody ever said something to you? You ever had a conversation and it just kind of stuck in your head? You kind of thought about it all day long. Maybe there's some things that have been spoken to you even in the past and it just kind of sticks there. It's just something that's, that's stuck in your head. This, this man is someone that, that his delights in the law of the Lord, and it says on his law he meditates day and night. Because of his delight in God and what he has to say, there's some things that God has said that are kind of stuck in a good way in his head and in his heart. I've shared this story with you before, but thinking about my, my earthly father, one of the things I remember my dad said to me, and he probably doesn't even remember this or know when, I remember him saying to me, you know what, son, I'm going to love you and I'm going to be proud of you no matter what, even if you're a garbage man. I don't know why that was like considered the lowest thing, but, you know, but no matter what you do, apparently they make good money, right? No matter what you do, I'm going to love you. I'm always going to be proud of you. And that stuck with me. That stuck in my mind and that, and that stuck in my heart. And I'm sure there's some passages of Scripture that you've read that are kind of stuck in your heart. One of the things we need to do is to kind of 
allow those things to continue to come up in our minds. One of the things that Diane and I have been able to do reading together in the mornings is there's some stuff that comes up that she's like, man, I didn't know it said such and such in, in here in Scripture, and we'll end up talking about it back and forth. <clears throat> and those kind of things kind of build up thoughts to think about throughout the day. You know, look at what God said here. Look at what he has to say here. So this person delights in his word. He meditates on his word. He's thinking about it so much that it's just stuck in a good way on the inside. Now, a thing that's obviously very important about being a, a tree that's strong, that's firm, is that if we look at some other passages, we're going to look at another passage here. Well, actually, before we do, what does it say about the wicked? Blessed is the man who, who does these things. It says that he yields his fruit in season, his leaf does not wither, and everything that he does, he prospers. That's a great promise, by the way. If you're honoring God, if you're following through, if you're being faithful, then you will be like this kind of tree that's, that's strong, that doesn't wither, that prospers. But it says the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the, the wind drives away. Problems come up, things arise, the wind just kind of blows them away like chaff. Chaff was the leftover pieces, you know, from the grain. You're just, you're just blown around. There is no firmness there. There is no prosperity there. But the one who stays faithful, the one who, who leans into the Lord is going to be strong. And so we have a, another story I want to share with you that Jesus shares, actually. And it comes from Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> You've probably seen this passage before, but it says, Jesus starts out, first of all, and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? What does it mean for someone to be Lord? It's kind of another word for, for king. It's the one who's in charge, right? And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It doesn't make sense to say king. It doesn't make sense to say Lord, to call him that, right? But not do what he says. And so then he shares the story. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words, that's one thing. The first part of delighting in God's word, listening to it, meditating on it, it's one thing. But he says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, this is what that person's like. Someone that actually follows through and does what I, what I say, this is what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. I love that mentality, dug deep. It wasn't just that it was on the rock, but he, he had to dig deep to get to the rock, right? Digging deep holes. Anyone ever dug deep holes? As a kid, maybe, all right? It's some, ser okay. it's some serious work. <laughs> Darcy says, yeah, I did it. <laughs> In the driveway. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> but you have to dig deep. It's a lot of work. Whoever digs deep and finds that rock who makes it deep, if you will, in their heart, a real, true, and solid practice, right? This is what he says he's like. He says that this person lays their foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, when the stream broke against that house, it says, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one, of course, who hears and does not do them is like a man who built 
a house on the ground without a foundation, or what some passages say, like on the sand. It says, when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, in these two passages of Scripture, we've got, we've got a strong tree, we've got a house built on the foundation, and both scenarios show a storm coming. Both scenarios show, you know, a strong wind blowing or a storm coming in, in, the, in, the, in the second story here. And really the question this morning is, is are you going to be prepared for that? Are you going to be ready? Can you withstand the wind that blows and the storm that comes? Because life so many times is a storm. Life is full of all kinds of difficulties and struggles. And are you going to be prepared to withstand the storm. And the thing is, nobody knows when it's coming, do they? Right? We don't know when it's coming. If we knew when it's coming, we wouldn't need to buy insurance, right? Insurance is there because we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know when it's really going to come. And so we're forced to dish out this money month by month to whatever insurance company that you deal with so that you are prepared. We don't know when it's going to come. So there's, there's this need for preparation. And you can't be prepared after the fact, right? After the fact, when the house falls down, the only thing that you can do at that point is to do what? Is to rebuild. Is to learn the lesson the hard way and to say, what? All right, now it's time to dig deep. Now it's time to lay the foundation upon the rock. You see, this this life, this this thing we're talking about here of serving the Lord and reading the, the Bible and spending time in prayer and being faithful to Him, this is not a hobby, right? It's not a hobby that you can just set down and then, and then pick up, you know? Yeah, I kind of like to paint, you know? And, I, and I've got my stuff over here. It's in, over in the corner. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me see something you painted. And you, like, point to the wall. There's a couple. And, and it says, when's the last time you painted? Oh, it's been months, you know? But you got all the stuff, right? You're a painter. You got the canvases, you got the paint. But it's a hobby. You, you set it down, you pick it up. Now, when you're in the mood to paint, you pull it out. And <clears throat> it's a rainy day like today, and then you're bored, and there's nothing else to do. Christianity's not a hobby. It's not something you pick up and you set down, right? It's not that way. It's important to understand a couple of things in that, you know, when it when Christianity is not a hobby, it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's not a religion either, right? Religion is this list of rules, this list of things that, that, that you check off, you check off the boxes, okay? And it's not a religion in the sense that, you know, you are expected to read your Bible every day and expected to pray every day. When you, when you start checking off boxes like that and you say, I've done all the right things and I had attendance and I showed up to church and <clears throat> did all that stuff, that's religion, right? You know, it's, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. That's why studying the Word of God is a delight. It's not a chore. Because you are growing closer. You are spending time with the Lord. You are growing in a close relationship. That's why prayer is probably the hardest checkbox if you're going to be, quote, religious, because it really involves the relationship part. Because otherwise you're like, well, what do I say? Right. 
Here I am. So, it's a relationship. We don't treat any other relationship like that, do we? You know, I don't come home at night and say, all right, well, I talk to my wife, check. I cooked her dinner, check. You know, uh, Valentine's Day is coming. We've got, you know, I guess I could better buy some stuff for that, check. You know, um, you know, we, you know, it's not a list of, it would be ridiculous, right? To, to go through this checkbox, checklist of things. Yeah, I, you know, I called her on the phone. I sent her a text. I, you know, it's not this list of things. A relationship's not like that. Relationship, I, I spend time with my wife because I love my wife. <coughs> we do things together. We go out to dinner together, not because I have to, because I want to. And our relationship grows, and it grows deeper. I talk to her because I love her. I want to be with her. I want to know what she thinks. I want her to know about what she thinks about this. How was your day? How was my, you know, we, there's a back and a forth. That's a relationship. And we can never confuse relationship with, with religion when it comes to the Lord. It's something that's meant to grow. Another thing that we have to realize in that same vein is that we're, we're servants of the Lord as well. In the same aspect of uh, it's not a hobby that we pick up and sit down, we're servants of the Lord. <clears throat> we're not fans, okay? You know, we're not fans that come to church on a weekly basis or if we come on a weekly basis and be like, woo, that was cool, love you, Jesus, you're great, man. You know, you're the best. And, you know, with Ashton up here, he doesn't, just wear shirts. Fans just wear shirts, all right? But I know he loves Jesus, okay? He's not just a fan, you know? It's like if, if I ever have an opportunity to go to a U2 concert with my wife, it'll probably be one of the greatest things ever, okay? But even then, we're in the crowd, we're fans. We don't really know U2. We don't really know Bono. Diane could probably tell you, but she's like, I do. <laughs> yeah. She thinks she does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much stuff you have, how much you, you cheer on the band, you cheer on the team, you know. You know, Chris doesn't know Brady. You don't have no relationship with Brady. You wish you did. I'd like to, I'd like to know that guy. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. You like it when they win, though, don't you? Yeah, of course you do. It's interesting that you guys are sitting in the same row, the uh, Patriots versus the Eagles back here. <coughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're servants of his. Here, here's what I mean. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24 says, whatever you, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. It says, you are serving the Lord Christ. We're not fans, we're, we're servants. He's called us to, to in this relationship, and he's called us to serve him. There's things that, that we're supposed to do. Keeping those things in mind, I think that we often forget there's, there's more to life than this world then, right? If you have those things that I just mentioned, you hold them in your heart, and your, your delight is truly in the Lord you know, this is obvious to you that life is, is more than the stuff we see around you. It's all about Him. But sometimes we lose that focus and we, we see that 
it seems like the world is all there is, that life is all there is, especially when problems jump up. It just feels like it's all about the world and the things that we see around us. But, but the Lord gives us this great story, this great parable, a good example of this <clears throat> that I think many people fall into, unfortunately. And it's the next passage that I believe comes from Luke 12, verse 13. You throw that up there for me, David. And it says, someone in the crowd, Jesus is there, and he says, <coughs> excuse me, someone in the crowd says to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance of me. Another person trying to tell Jesus what to do, if you remember last week's sermon, right? I love this. But Jesus said to the man, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? Why are you asking me? Talk to your brother, right? And he said to them, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness. What's covetousness? It's wanting stuff, right? It's wanting stuff you don't have. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, right? Your life's not about all the stuff you have. It's also not about all the stuff you've done. It's not about the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? <clears throat> he had done so well. He had so much stuff that had come in. Okay? I've got so many crops. What am I going to do with the extra stuff? And it continues on. It says, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. What do you do? I got stuff. I got more stuff. This is great. I got so much stuff, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to get another storage shed, right? I'm going to get another storage unit, and I'll put stuff in that storage unit. I'll put stuff in this storage unit. I got this job where I'm making even more money. What am I going to do with this money? Well, I, I guess I'll put it in this account. I'll put it in this account, right? So I got more money. I got more stuff. And then, like the story, what? All right, now you can relax, right? Now you can live life. Soul, all that says, and I'll say to my soul, soul, I'll say to myself, self, Lance, you've done well, right? You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, <coughs> and be merry. Isn't that kind of the American dream, right? You know, you, you go to college, you get a good job, you get a good job, make lots, lots of money so that you can retire and just sit back and be fat and happy. That's the American dream. But Jesus says, God said to him, fool, <laughs> just finished the barns, right? Finished putting all the grain in there, got it painted red. You know, looks, looks, looks nice, okay? But then Jesus says, fool, <laughs> this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? You know, great. You got all the stuff, now you're dead. <laughs> Congratulations, you sat in a big pile of stuff and now you're dead. It's, it's like the, what's, what's the, 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 that new Disney movie with the crab that just gathers all this glittery stuff and sits on the top if you've seen it? Moana, yeah, all right. Anybody seen this? If you have children, you know what I'm talking about, <coughs> okay? 
This night your soul is required of you, and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? And it says this, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You've got all kinds of treasure for yourself, but you're not rich towards God. What are you really rich in? Again, in things that will last or in things that don't last? Where's your focus? Another thing that will help us to remember what life is truly all about is that we can't forget that the Lord is coming back and that we should live with that in mind and be prepared. We don't spend a lot of time thinking about when the Lord is coming back. I mentioned this last week. My grandmother would talk about it all the time. As a teenager, I'm like, I don't want to hear about that. I want to be able to get my license. I want to be able to, to, to drive one day, and I want to experience being 21 and, and all its stupidity and, and all this stuff and go to college and get married and blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't want to think about that. And no matter how old you are, too, sometimes you're not thinking about it. You're not thinking about his return. You're thinking about the life around you. You're thinking about building up more stuff. You can sit on a higher and higher pile of stuff. But that's not what life is about. We've got to remember, he's coming back in Luke chapter 12, verse 35. <clears throat> Continuing in the same chapter, Jesus says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. This uses the example of a Jewish wedding. In a Jewish wedding, they would Jewish weddings, they would literally party for an entire week at a time. Okay? And the other servants would would be up and waiting for the bridegroom to come home so they could welcome him and then the party would be there at the home. You know? It's just kind of this this mobile party, clubbing, if you will, from house to house, celebrating this marriage, this union. It says, blessed is the one who's, you've got to be, you've got to be ready for action. Keep your lamps burning. Be ready. Blessed are those servants, in verse 37 it says, whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third, how late in the night, in other words, <clears throat> and he finds them awake, Blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. In other words, you don't, you don't know when he's coming. Be prepared. You must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. Do you live a life where you are on full alert? We are looking for the Lord. Now, this is a negative example because the Lord coming is, is a great thing, especially for believers, obviously. But I remember working at, at Five Guys, okay? Five Guys, burgers and fries. <coughs> and let's just be honest, yeah, you know, after a while, working there can get old. It can get boring. Being a manager of that place, stuck serving burger day in and day out is just boring, Okay? But we had to keep the store ready in such a way as it would be prepared for two things. The first thing was a secret shopper. Part of the money we made was based on secret shoppers that came in. We didn't know who they were, and they would come in and judge us, right? 
judge our bathrooms, judge the quality of the burger, how clean is the restaurant. And if we kept getting good scores, at a certain point, we would get a bonus because the store was in good shape. <clears throat> but the real thing that we had to be prepared for was if the big boss was coming. You probably know what I'm talking about, right? You never know when the big boss is going to show up, right? And one of the things we could not do, that we were told we could not do, was be sitting down as managers at the computer, okay, in the office, not paying attention to what was going on in the store. But we did it all the time because we were bored, tired of standing up, tired of, of being on our feet. But I tell you what, if the big boss came and saw that, he was not happy, to say the least, okay? This is the kind of guy that would take your phone and throw it against the wall and drop all kinds of F-bombs on you. So there's a healthy fear, <laughs> the fear of this kind of guy. <clears throat> but were you ready for the boss to come? In a positive way, however, are we ready for the Lord to come? Are we living in a way that he could come any moment? Because if we are, the way that we live changes, right? The things that we do changes. We don't get distracted from that and go and sit in the office and then sit back and take it easy. Because at that point, who is it becoming about? It's becoming about me. I'm bored. I'm going to pull up and, and look at, you know, some websites, look at ESPN, see what's going on, you know, read some, some articles here and there. It's about me, not about what's going on in the store. It becomes about us when we're not paying attention to the fact that the Lord could come any minute. Because if we were concerned about that, we care about that. We're less concerned about building our wealth. We're less concerned about bigger barns, bigger paychecks, bigger accomplishments. Because that stuff doesn't matter. When it comes, who cares? Well, great. Take the Monopoly board and tip it over. Right? You ever done that? You ever get really into Monopoly? Really into a game? And you're like, I'm so close to winning. And then the other people just walk away. Or if someone says, this is it. I've had it. I've enough. Flips the board over. And you're like, what? It didn't matter anyway, but you were so invested, weren't you? I put hours into this game. I have conquered this side of the board and that side of the board, and I will reign. I am the Monopoly champion of the world. Who cares, right? And so many things in our life were just like that. It's just the flipping of a Monopoly board. Congratulations, you've got Boardwalk and Park Place and almost everyone's money. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Who cares? But what does matter is Him. And we're going to close with this verse from Ephesians. <coughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 21. It says, for at one time, you were darkness. You were living a life, a sinful life without God. But now you are light in the Lord. Things have changed. See what life's really all about. <coughs> it says, walk as children of light then. Forget about the monopoly board. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Those are the things to focus on. And try to discern 
what is pleasing to who? To him, not to, thank you, you speak up, us, to him, and not to us. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. You know, it's like we get so wrapped up and sometimes, did you hear about so-and-so and what's going on and blah, 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 whatever it is, okay? It says, for it's shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Now, therefore, it says, okay, here we go. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, <coughs> wake up, pay attention, okay? Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So let's boil this down for a second, okay? We've got four things. It's going to make you a list of notes today to write and fill in blanks. I didn't do it. So just inscribe it on your brains. Ready? Ready? All right, good. <clears throat> Number one, it says in verse 15, after he says to wake up, look carefully then how you walk. Take care, pay attention to how you live. You know, church, when you walk in here, this is, it's always a kind of big slap in the face to that. How are you living? It's like this daily assessment. How are things going? It's this, this accountability every week. How you doing? How you living? What, what, did you, what did this last week look like for you? If you're trying to stay strong in Scripture, you know, how'd it go? Have you been reading? Have you been praying? Not so we can check off boxes, but so that you can, you know, if your relationships are not things you can measure, Right? You don't get graded on those things, but you can say that healthy relationships probably have certain things in there. Healthy relationships are, are people are talking to each other, right? Wouldn't you agree? Healthy relationships, people talk to each other, okay? Uh, if, if Chris wrote Rainey a love letter, okay? Yeah. Did you? If, if he did, Rainey's like, no, he didn't. Now there's an issue. No. But if he did... And Rainey had that letter, but she didn't read it. You could probably say there's something, there's a problem there, right? You don't grade relationships, but you can say healthy relationships, they talk to each other, and healthy relationships, Rainey would definitely be reading that love letter and be all over it. Probably reading it a couple times, oh, look what he said here. I love that baby, you know? But when it comes to the Lord, healthy relationships, you know, this isn't about a checkbox, but healthy relationships, you're going to talk to each other. That's prayer, okay? Healthy relationships, you're going you're gonna to read 
the love letter that God has sent to us, which is, hey, by the way, it's, it's this. <coughs> it's Scripture. It's not about checkboxes, but it is about a healthy relationship. Take care how you live. Pay attention to how you're living. Here's the other thing. Number two, in verse 16, it says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The Lord's coming back soon. The days are evil. It's craziness. It's chaos around us in so many different ways. A lot of, a lot of crazy stuff, right? You can look at the news every day and point out a million things that are messed up and screwed up about this world. The days are evil. But he says this, make the best use of the time. What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with it? You have to ask yourself that. As the world is, is going on around us, are we building bigger barns? What are we doing? What's your life focused on? Make the best use of the time. Here's a biggie too. <clears throat> Therefore, do not be foolish. This is in verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is God's will for your life? When's the last time you've asked yourself that question? What's your calling? What's your ministry? What is it that you're supposed to be doing? And maybe you haven't asked yourself that in a while. Maybe your focus really hasn't been on the thought of serving the Lord. It's been about, let's be honest, sometimes serving yourself. It's about what I want to do. But what's His will for you? Are you accomplishing it? What's your ministry? What's your purpose? What is God calling you to do? <clears throat> and here's, here's the last thing. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, <clears throat> but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That means there are other times you can be less filled, okay, with the Spirit. I used to struggle with this thinking, you know, how can you be more filled with the Spirit than you are, okay, at every one point, at any one point. But, but there really is a difference, okay? Be filled with the Spirit means that your life is fully yielded, fully handed over, fully in control of the Lord. If your life is filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, how you see that, we've been talking about this, right? with the stuff that shows up, that comes out, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things come out of your life, comes out of the people that are full of the Spirit, that are yielded completely to Him. Now, this has nothing to do with... <coughs> with being forgiven or not being forgiven. If you're a Christian, you're forgiven. The Lord's with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. That won't change, right? But there is a difference between the law of the matter and the heart of the matter. Here's what I mean by that, to use an example of, of marriage again, okay? I am, marriage is more between Diane and I than a piece of paper, right? Legally, we are married we got the papers to prove it, okay? But just because that's the case 
doesn't mean just because I have a piece of paper that our marriage is great. Because I have a piece of paper doesn't mean that I can just go and do whatever I want now, right? Never spend any time with her, talk bad about her, you know, whatever in the world it was would be, just because you hold a piece of paper, a marriage uh, license, okay, does not mean that your marriage is in great shape. The same way, but what would, what would be? It's that talking to each other. It's that, that time with each other. It's going out to dinner. It's that, you know, it's all those things that, that makes that relationship strong. Now, when it comes to, to Jesus, in the same way, we've kind of got that letter, if you will. We've got that, that license that says, I'm saved. I'm forgiven. The past is, is gone, and I'm, and I'm brand new. But again, just because you are in that position doesn't mean that your relationship is always where it should be with the Lord. And so when it says to be filled with the Spirit, it says make sure that you are, that your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with God is more than that piece of paper. It's more than just mem- that memory of that moment when you gave your heart to Jesus. It's that it's alive and it's fresh and it's growing right now. And that you are full of the Spirit that you're in love with Jesus, your delight is in Him. Take care how you live. Make the best use of the time. Understand His will. And then here it is, fill up, right? Fill up. Let the Lord take control. That's how we stay strong. <clears throat> let's, be, let's be like a tree that's planted by streams of water. Let's be like a a house that has its foundation on the rock. Let's be faithful in our relationship with Him. Would you stand with me? If you've, you've fallen on the job, so to speak, and you've gotten behind, don't worry about catching up, just pick it up. It's really more about developing some good habits in our lives that allow us to continue to grow and to stay strong. Just pick it up. Don't beat yourself. Don't flog yourself. But pick it up and begin to move forward. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. <coughs> we thank you for your word, Lord, your love letter to us. We thank you for the opportunity for, to, for prayer, to be able to talk with you. Well, that's just a huge thing that we take for granted, to be able to talk to the creator of the universe, the one who made us, the one who, as your word says, holds all things together. Lord, allow us to, for the relationship we have with you, to grow. Allow it to be a delight. Lord, let us meditate upon you, think about you all the time. And Lord, help us to to really do your words to put it into action. Lord, we give you our very selves today. We pray, Lord, that you would shape us, that you would mold us into the people you want us to be. Lord, let our our life be all about you and not ourselves. All about you. We love you. We thank you for this morning together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.